You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, I just, my name's Pastor Ryan. I got a message on Facebook the other day about this series. I want to read it to you. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Love, as I call him, plays in our, our band, and uh, his last name is Love. He's got a beautiful wife named Nicole. Ray, Ray and Nicole are part of our church. I want to read you this, uh, because this, here's, here's the deal. We're in a love and marriage series, and it's like, if we don't apply what we learn, then it's just a waste of time. You know, God, God uses his word because his ways are better than our ways. And when we learn to move in a rhythm, the way the creator of the universe created us in harmony and relationship, not only with him, but with each other, it's a powerful thing. Marriage is like the greatest magnifier of God's love to the world around us. The Apostle Paul talked about there's this mystery in marriage. It amplifies just the gospel message. And so I just want to read you this because I love seeing you, church, put your, your faith into action and apply uh, the teaching here. This was from Wednesday. He says, uh, Ray writes, and he says, uh, What a Valentine's Day to remember. My wife, Nicole Love, went above and beyond this year. Uh, prior to this new Groove tour, he had a, a, a band opportunity uh, on Valentine's Day, and she made the special preparations to celebrate it early. And that is incredible right there. That's the art of marriage. We're going to be talking about that this morning. Is t- it, Marriage is an art. You just got to work at it. You, you, you can't. You ha- it's finessed, and it is something that you uh, artistically pursue. So she's, she does this uh, wonderful Valentine's Day before uh, his engagement on Valentine's Day up at the, in Grand Canyon. And uh, it says, he says, she gave uh, the wa- this special day to me and flowers on my desk and a photo. And, and he says, I love you, babe. Thanks for the thought. And he says, Pastor Ryan, keep those song of song messages coming at North Valley because they're really making this marriage better. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, you know, hey, th- this is why I do what I do. You know, I love to see you get in line with God's design for your life, for your love, for your marriage, uh, for what God's doing in your life. I understand that many of you are single or you've come out of a, a tumultuous uh, past with a divorce. I want to tell you, God's plan is perfect. God wants to use you, and even in this teaching series, to help understand uh, the way God structures marriage and relationships. And, and God's word never returns void. And you'll always walk out of here with something that the Holy Spirit has impressed upon your heart to apply in your life for this week. And so uh, here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to ask the question is, how in the world do we really make uh, the most of our marriage? I mean, that's really what we want to do in this teaching series, is making the most of what God's uh, planned and purposed for marriage. And when I hear that question, I myself say, man, I, I struggle. I'm a pastor, and if I'm a, if I'm a pastor who struggles to make the most of my marriage, then I wonder about our congregation. You know, the, the reality is, is that we all struggle, and that we're all, like we sang that song, we're all in need of God's grace, and we're where there's sin, God's grace abounds. And so in any situation you find yourself in, I, either in victory or in, in tragedy right now in the relationship world, you need to know that God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. 
and he calls us uh, to take our next step. We all struggle, and God's word tells us how we can make the most of our marriage. I don't know where you're at right now specifically. For those of you that are married, maybe this week was a great week. Maybe for you, it just didn't turn out. Expectations were high, and expectations didn't get met. Maybe you're in conflict right now, and you need to resolve that conflict. This morning, we're going to learn a little bit about the art of resolving some conflict, dealing with some conflict, and then we're going to see Solomon and his bride uh, move forward and uh, come to that wedding day, and in the coming weeks, we're going to see their uh, marriage relationship take off. We're going to see intimacy deepen. We're going to see them fight. We're going to see them kiss. We're going to see them make up. Uh, we're going to see the faithfulness of walking year after year in marriage. We're going to see them uh, use this opportunity to really teach us something profound. So if you would go ahead and stand, and we're in Song of Songs chapter 2, verses 15 is where we'll start off this morning. Again, this is Hebrew poetry, and what has happened is where we're following this chronological uh, dating relationship in, in a timeline is Solomon has left Jerusalem. He has uh, come to Lebanon, this country house. He's pursued this gal, and he's telling her that he wants to spend time with her and uh, take her out for a nice springtime walk. And uh, here's her response. Immediately, she deals with some unresolved conflict in a poetic way. Watch this. She says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Verse 16, she says, my lover is mine and I am his, and he browses among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn my lover and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we pray for your work done in our hearts, in our homes this morning. God, where there is conflict, might it be resolved. God, where there is a celebration, might we celebrate more and more. Um, God, give us, a, for the singles, give them a vision um, as to what it looks like uh, to pursue uh, this marriage relationship. Lord, bring healing, bring hope. Bring peace in the season and the place that God has positioned each and every person in this room this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most important things that you can do in your marriage is, uh, number one, is catch the foxes. Uh, Solomon's bride likens the relationship, uh, because she's a country girl, and friction and conflict to foxes. See, she runs a family vineyard, and what would happen is foxes would sneak into the vineyard at night, and they would uproot some of the plants and eat the roots, and it would destroy the crop. And she has already likened the relationship to a vineyard, and she says for, uh, to Solomon, Solomon, I want you to catch these foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. What she does, I find it really interesting, is the very first thing that she does is, while Solomon wants to pursue her for the greater question of marriage, she's going to say, I think we ought to deal with some conflict first. She's an emotionally healthy gal. She wants to deal with the problems first. And so what we need to understand these foxes are, I think there's four foxes uh, that can really ruin any relationship. The first is unresolved conflict. 
if you've got unresolved conflict, I, I, I take it like it's like sand in your boot without a sock. It will irritate you. It'll hurt you. You can't go hiking. You can't go walking. If you can, you just go for a little bit, but it's going to irritate you. It'll agitate you. It'll leave you frustrated. And I wonder why the question is, is how many times in our relationships do we go along with unresolved conflict? This unresolved conflict can really be a question is, is are you, you know, maybe it's a lack of forgiveness in the relationship. Um, if you don't have forgiveness in the relationship that you're in, it makes it really, really hard to resolve conflict. When Pastor Jonathan talked about communion earlier and receiving that forgiveness, let that be a reminder of the way God has dealt with you. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. While you were in sin, God comes to seek to restore and redeem all that is lost. He comes for you and he forgives you and he makes you clean and he makes things right. And so in this uh, issue, in your relationship, maybe you've got some unresolved conflict in your marriage today. And maybe it's not just been for a day, but maybe it's been for weeks or for months. One of the greatest things I can encourage you in is we're going to press forward in this uh, relationship series. Uh, you're going to see Solomon and his bride uh, w get into more conflict and then work out their conflict. But forgiveness is the biggest factor in resolving conflict. Some of you need to be in a position where you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to say, listen, I'm really sorry that I've offended you. I've hurt you in this way or that way. I want to resolve this conflict. I acknowledge I've done wrong. Will you forgive me? What a humbling position to be in as a spouse. And then for some of you, you've got to turn the corner and you've got to give forgiveness. If you can't forgive, then maybe you're not experiencing God's forgiveness in your own life. Forgiveness, it allows the relationship to move forward. If you have unforgiveness, it's like a fox that comes in and it destroys the very thing that God's intended to bloom and to grow and to blossom. And what this gal says is immediately, she says, catch the foxes, those little foxes. Is there some little unresolved conflict in your relationship right now? Could you take a part in that and say, hey, I, I need to ask for forgiveness. I've blown it. Let me put you at ease. We don't let any... Uh, people come here that say that they're perfect. This church is for imperfect people. In fact, we have a little sign that says, no perfect people allowed, right as you came into the door. <laughs> no, I wish we did, though. That would be helpful. Uh, listen, the more you can realize your imperfections, the greater the opportunity for you to experience the magnitude of God's grace upon your life. And then you can extend that grace to other people. Some of you have got some little foxes in your relationship. It's like sand in the shoe. It's irritating. It's agitating. But there is one who grants forgiveness, and he models the way and shows the way. His name is Christ. And in this relationship that God has bestowed upon you, you've got to do this thing called resolve, resolving some conflict. This is exactly what she wants to do before there's a deeper commitment and progress in the relationship. For some of you, there's a poor communication pattern that's been going on. You just don't make time. You're busy. One of the greatest concerns I have for married couples here in the North Valley is we've done the research, and many of the families in this area 
uh, hold their values of their children higher than their own marriage. The reality is, if you do that, is you're, you're, you're not putting the proper priority in the value system the way God has designed it. Your marriage has got to be before your kids. Because at the hub of every home of a family is a husband and a wife. And if mom and dad aren't working things out, then the kids are getting the leftovers. They're getting less than the best. So there is poor communication that often can happen because maybe you're too busy. Uh, one of the best things that Leslie and I have done over the years is just pause and take time. We call it tea time. We just take time in a given day. Uh, it can be early in the morning, in the afternoon, and just take 10, 15 minutes and just talk. And that time together is really, really important. You can uh, really struggle in your relationship. Uh, and this catching the foxes mentality is that there can be poor communication. Poor communication is like a little fox. It'll, it'll hurt and hinder the relationship tremendously. Not even intentionally, but unintentionally. There's also ongoing criticism that can happen in a relationship. Ongoing criticism is where you constantly think about how the other person ought to be doing better and how you're constantly assessing their weaknesses and you're constantly communicating those weaknesses. And that'll wear anybody out. My encouragement to you is catch the little foxes. The fourth one is just a lack of consideration. The Bible is very clear all the time when it comes to relationships is that you want to put other people's interests in front of yours. Two kind of people in life, there's givers and takers. Takers constantly think about themselves and what they can get. Givers put other people's interests in front of their own. They consider others' needs above their own. That's what it takes in a relationship. Two things you must do to catch these foxes is you need to do two things, absolutely. Number one is talk, and the second is listen. You just need to talk and listen. You need to talk to God and tell him what's going on. You need to tell him, hey, I, I need help here, God. I'm going through a hard time in this relationship. And listen to what he has to say about it. Listen to his word. Look to him. And then secondly, sit down with your spouse and say, hey, I just need to talk for a minute. And don't feel uh, embarrassed, guys, if you're the one that is going to initiate in this conversation of a deeper communication. But talk and then listen. And you've got to do both if you're going to catch these little foxes. Catching these foxes will determine uh, how your relationship will grow and develop. If you're single and you're dating, or if you're married and you're looking at deepening the relationship, catching a fox is always a high priority. You always got to keep it that way. Number two, uh, we, you know, if we're going to make our marriage better, we need to understand this principle and the reality is that actually in marriage you are better together. God's actually functioned and fashioned it that you are going to be better together. And Solomon's uh, bride understands this. She says, my lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Uh, there is a mutual ownership and understanding that it's possessive. The relationship is going to the next level. They are, uh, they are focusing on loving each other, that they have uh, ownership and a voice into each other's time, schedule, rhythm, responsibilities. And she says this, my lover is mine and I am his. Uh, that phrase is repeated 
multiple times throughout the Song of Songs to show that there's this, the two are becoming one, that, that you, there's a spiritual unity that takes place and a relational and emotional. And soon what we're going to see is there's going to be a physical oneness that they're going to experience after marriage. Uh, on the inside of my wedding ring is that very uh, verse that's mentioned throughout the scripture. And it says, I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. And I wear it on my ring finger all the time because it reminds me of that commitment. That Ryan can't make all the decisions in the relationship. Ryan needs to be mutually discussing and serving and considering each other. We need to do that together. My life is not my own. Um, you know, when you get into a married relationship, there's a mutual possession that takes place. The husband is not just his own entity by himself. He has surrendered his rights, if you will, in a very large extent, to serve and sacrificially lead his family in a way that's honoring and respectful. And in the same way with a wife. And this young lady understands this when she says that. I think it echoes a theological truth in Genesis chapter 2 when God said to Adam, he says, the Lord, uh, says, the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for help. One of the most important questions you need to ask, those of you that are dating, um, is ask this question, are we better together? If you can answer that, and the answer is yes, that you're absolutely better together, and it's a, you're going to better glorify God, you're better going to enjoy life together, then that's the person you need to be with. When I was dating Leslie, I asked that question, God, will I be better as a result of being with her? And the answer was absolutely. Next thing we're going to see is that this young lady, she, is, uh, she faces some fears. She's afraid because of the potential of losing him. He is King Solomon, and she's a young country girl, and she's afraid of potentially losing him. In any relationship, when you get really, really close, you need to know uh, that fear is normal. Fear is a normal experience that you feel. This is what she does. She has this dream, and then here's what it says in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. All night, all night long, all my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares, and I'll search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but I did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? She's asking. Um, questions that we all have about our, our uh, lover, our, the other person in our life that's so important. You might ask the question, what if he will leave me or what if she will leave me? It's a terrifying thought if somehow you would be left and, and she's afraid before they move forward in this marriage relationship. She has this nightmare about him potentially just being gone and she doesn't know what to do. We all ask questions like this, does he really love me or does she really love me? Every person on the planet at the end of the day truly wants to just be loved. They want to be loved unconditionally. And that, that's the kind of love that you find in a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That's why your faith is so important in this thing called love and marriage, because that relationship is the paradigm for every other relationship. And she's afraid. And I want to encourage you, when you're in a relationship, it's normal to be afraid, especially those of you that are dating and you're pursuing marriage, you can get cold feet real quick. And that's really, really normal. A couple things I want to encourage you to do when it comes to these fears that you may have, either in the dating season or in marriage, is you need to, number one, is just clarify the problem. What are you really afraid of? You know, maybe it's uh, something that you need to communicate. Uh, the first response is that when you, you kind of are feeling you're afraid and you're frustrated about the situation and in your relationship, if you ask this question, you know, what is, the, what is the problem? What am I angry at? What am I sad about? What am I afraid about? What, what am I? You, your mind will automatically do this. I don't know. I don't know. My encouragement to you is if you've got a special spot in your house, go to your little thinking chair and you sit down or you go on a walk, do whatever it is that it's going to uh, help you to think about the real issue at hand. And then ask that question, what am I really afraid about? And then secondly, I'd say for fear, many of you that are fearful about this relationship, maybe you're afraid that you're stuck in a relationship, in your marriage relationship, and it's never going to get better. And you're afraid, God, we've been fighting for a long time, or we've been doing this uh, cycle and this dance for so long, I don't know if I can get through it. Uh, and you're just afraid. Uh, I'm afraid to, to live like that. Or if you're dating, God, I don't know if this is the right gal or the right guy for me. And I'm afraid that if we, if we continue in this relationship, maybe, maybe it's not uh, going to be honoring and glorifying to you. Clarify the problem. Secondly, is calculate the worst. What's the worst? Calculate it. Sometimes you'll realize that the, the, the worst situation is way too bad, and you, and you need to resolve that, and you need to make a change. Uh, sometimes you find out that the worst situation isn't really that bad, and your fears, uh, somehow you find a new sense of courage to face your fears. Lastly is you just conform to God's Word. You face your fear. At the end of the day, here's the greatness of the Bible is you, you're supposed to sit under the Bible, stay under it, not above it. So you, you're, not, you're not to, this is my life and then I'm above the scriptures, but rather you take the authority of scripture and say, this is divine inspiration communicated by God. I'm under it. You conform to God's word in every situation. So Number four, we're going to see that if the, the relationship's going to go to the next level and we're going to make the most of this relationship, we're going to see uh, she is passionate for her man. She wakes from her uh, dream and it says, verse four, scarcely had I passed him when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house to the room of the one who conceived me. She takes him to a, a, a place uh, that was very like a sacred spot where she was born. And she wants to uh, really show her emotional oneness and her love and appreciation for him. She is passionate, but yet she wants to remain pure. Uh, there's a good book for those of you that are struggling with staying pure in your relationships. Uh, prior to marriage. It's called Passion and Purity. It's written by a gal by the name of Elizabeth Elliot. 
And during the time when Leslie and I were pursuing uh, each other and we were going to get married, I want to tell you, it was not easy for me to remain uh, sexually pure in the relationship because uh, I was passionate for uh, her as a uh, young woman. She's very attractive, and uh, she was excited to be with me too. And so there's a need, a time, and a place, and what we're going to learn is that passion has its place. Verse 5, she says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Passion is not a bad thing. Uh, sexual uh, intimacy is, uh, you could view that in a couple of ways. You could say, if you've had a sexual past where you've maybe been abused, uh, you might say, well, it's gross. Or if you uh, are just infatuated with it and you uh, are just, you know, unrestrained uh, into your flesh and your lust, you could say, it's like a God. It controls me. Or you could see it as a biblical framework of what sexual intimacy is designed to be, is designed to be good. And in the Song of Songs, uh, sex is celebrated in the context of marriage. But it's only in that context that it's celebrated. And so it's like this. It's like at my house, uh, we have a fire pit in the backyard. And when it gets cold outside on a Friday or Saturday night, oftentimes, we'll put a little bit of mesquite in the back of the fire pit and we'll enjoy it, uh, a time together with the family, and we'll all circle around the flames, and it'll put off this heat, and it'll warm us up, and it's wonderful. But what would happen if I took that fire pit, and I brought it inside the house, or in my daughter's room, and I opened, the, opened it up, and just decided, you know what, for the sake of just fun tonight, let's just skip the fire pit deal, and I'm just going to light a fire right in your bedroom, little Riley the whole house would go up in flames. That's exactly the way uh, sex is. If you put it in the wrong place, it'll burn everything down. It'll burn down the house of God that he's designed for you in your whole life. If you do it in the wrong time, at the wrong place, outside of a marriage relationship, you're not safe. You're going to make decisions that are irrational, you'll be operating in, an, in a realm that God's not designed it. Doesn't mean that sex is bad. It just means that sex has a place. Passion has a place. And it's in the context of marriages that we're going to see. Here's what I want to encourage you in is that uh, I know the reality is, is that uh, if we believe in statistics, tell us some truth, or if personal experience and the testimonies that I've heard from many of you most of us did not wait to have sex before marriage. Here's what I want to remind you of. Isaiah 55, 8 says, God says, my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. You want it your way right away. You want to do things your way, and so do I, oftentimes. That's exactly the struggle of, between the Spirit of God and the flesh in our own life. But I want to remind you that God's ways are always better than our ways. 80% of couples that live together before marriage actually end up in divorce. So we think oftentimes in our culture, well, if I live with this person before marriage, it's going to be a good idea. We're just testing it out, kind of really feeling this thing out, see if it works. Well, this is uh, a statistic. 80% of couples that do this, it's going to end in divorce. Why? The foundation's wrong. 
it, it, it's friends with benefits. It's not a commitment. It's, uh, hey, I want to work this out uh, on a convenience level. 60% of those who do a justice of the peace, they end up in divorce. 40% of those who are married in a church eventually divorce. But listen to this. 1% of those who pray and read the Bible together actually end up in divorce. God's Word changes everything. When you pray together and when you read God's Word and you actually do it by His design, it changes everything. God's ways are not like our ways. Three promises I want you to remember no matter what your past is. You might walk in here with a heavy heart and say, I've committed more sin and, uh, uh, than you know, Pastor Ryan. And I, I don't know if God could love me. I, I'm a pretty, pretty darkened, uh, dirty person on the inside, so I feel. Three promises I want to remind you all today is God is good. His ways are always better than our ways. Uh, his design is always more beautiful and better and the best thing we could imagine. God is good. He's not against you. He's for you. Those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the favor of God upon your life. You have the forgiveness that he offers on a daily basis. You have his mercy brand new every single day. You screwed up last night? Ask for forgiveness before you leave here today. You messed up last week and you blew it? Claim forgiveness over your life and his mercy. God's good. God restores. God renews. He forgives. He can make all things new. Some of you say, well, I wasn't a virgin before I got married and I've been very uh, unholy. You know that you can be a reborn virgin if you want to. Uh, you can ask God to make you new, make you pure. That word virgin literally means pure. And that's why uh, the ladies will often wear white at the wedding day to represent that purity. You say, well, I've been very impure with my eyes and my thoughts. How can I get pure again? You ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. You ask him to wash you and make you clean. Three promises that you need to claim over your life. The Bible says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Not one thing. Number five, if you're going to uh, cultivate this relationship in marriage, you need to make it special. Uh, Solomon does this. Is he, first of all, it is, I notice there is a sacredness to the marriage. He is pursuing her, and uh, the uh, Solomon's lover says, who is this coming up from the desert like a column of smoke perfumed with myrrh and incense made from all the spices of the merchant? There is this imagery like the uh, Old Testament Israelites wandering through the desert and this pillar of fire is running through the wilderness and they're chasing it and seeing it and following God. Solomon here uh, is described with this sacredness of the marriage. Marriage needs to be sacred. If you're going to make your marriage special, it needs to be sacred. Secondly, we observe that uh, to make it special, you need safe friendships. Verse 7, look at Solomon's carriage, escorted by 60 warriors, the noblest of Israel, all of them wearing the sword, all experienced in battle, each with his sword at his side, prepared for the terrors of the night. Uh, Solomon had a lot of friends. This would have been his personal bodyguard, and he calls them to go and pursue, as was custom in the day, was to go get uh, the, the engaged gal and bring her back to Jerusalem. If you're going to have a married relationship, you need to have friends that are safe. 
You need to have friends that you can trust. That's why it's so important that you cultivate good Christian community. People that share your vision and your values to keep you strong in this journey of life. And specifically, for those of all of you that are married, in the most important relationship in your life, in your marriage relationship. And Solomon shows he, he is safe and he sends these 60 warriors, the noblest of Israel. Thirdly, we see there's a solid financial uh, uh, position. Before you get married, before you make the most of your marriage, continuing it on, you need to make wise decisions and, and be uh, able to provide for the family. Verse 9, King Solomon made for himself the carriage. He made a, it of wood from Lebanon. I think that's very personal. She's from Lebanon. And he chooses uh, to use some of the finest wood in the world at that time. Verse 10, its post he made of silver, his base of gold. Its seat was upholstered with purple. That would have been from a seashell out of the Mediterranean Sea, a very unique, distinct dye that would have come from that shell. Its interior lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, Solomon spared no expense. And lastly, we see in verse 11 that there is a support of family. When you get married, you want to make sure that there's a support of family. Verse 11, come out, O daughters of Zion, and look at King Solomon wearing the crown, the crown which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day his heart rejoiced. Uh, that would have been Bathsheba. She came and she uh, coronated him, gave him a crown uh, to symbolize and share her uh, support of this relationship. I want to tell you a quick story in closing uh, on how I fell in love with my wife, and uh, asked for her hand in marriage. Uh, years ago, when I was, I've always been the kind of guy that tries to dream big and work hard. So we adopted that slogan in some of our campaign stuff earlier on in the life of the church. And uh, this is a bit more of my personality. I don't think this is a pattern in which all guys should try to follow. So uh, ladies, do not nudge your husbands in, in a moment. Uh, if you're impressed with this, okay? So uh, years ago, when Leslie and I were dating, um, I really felt like I wanted to sweep her off her feet, and I meant that literally. So I went one time, and uh, I arranged a very special, eventful proposal. I spared no expense, and I tried to make it as special as possible. Uh, I showed up at the church where she was serving, and I said, hey, we've got to go. We've got to go. i got a special plan for us this afternoon. And at the time, we were just dating, and I knew it was time to get married to her, and so I needed to pop the big question. So I uh, said, we've got to go, and I, I, I said immediately, and she says, well, i got to get to work. I'd already made arrangements at her workplace, uh, basically tried to pay off the boss just to let her skip this shift at Red Lobster. And... Uh, and we were in college at the time, and uh, man, I, I like leveled myself. Like, I, I mean, this engagement uh, proposal took everything I had to do it. Um, so I got her off of work, and then I said, hey, we need to go. And she said, where are we going? I said, well, you'll see a blindfolded or took her to a special little airport, and uh, a little private airport. My friend, I was a youth pastor at the time, one of the kids in the ministry uh, was a pilot. And you're like, a kid. I'm like, yeah. Well, he was like a West Point grad later. So I really, and worked, I actually went to Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. 
And so we get to the airport, and uh, she says, who's going to be our pilot? What are we doing? And I said, well, it's Anthony. And she says, isn't that a kid? And I was like, yeah, it's cool, though. And from behind the plane, her dad pops up. And her dad was a pilot in Vietnam. And uh, there was already controversy around our relationship because it was quick, you know. And so I really wanted to win the dad over in the family and get the support of the family in. And I said, when I told him the situation, he said, you're going you're to get a young kid to fly my, my daughter around? I was like, no, I want you to be co-pilot. It's cool. And so he's co-pilot. So we get in the plane. We fly out uh, over Little Rock, uh, circle around the church a little bit, and go out to my parents' place, a big ranch. And uh, I had my buddy um, make a sign. And I told him, I said, just go get some cardboard boxes, paint it, paint yellow, and make these big letters and just say, say, uh, marry me. And uh, I didn't specify how big I wanted these letters. <laughs> and so we're flying over the property, and literally, you could have seen this sign from space, okay? <laughs> uh, we literally had to pull up to kind of read it. Uh, the letters were like 30 foot uh, in, in length. And it said, marry me. <laughs> and, and so I had the ring in my hand, and I got down on my knee, and I told my brother down uh, on the ground earlier, I said, look, if she says yes, I want you to lead a stampede out of the barn with the horses and fly an American flag. <laughs> Where do I come up with this? And he's like, you serious? I'm like, dead serious. And he's like, got it. So we do that. So we fly over and she starts crying. And I'm like, oh no, it's going bad. She doesn't want to marry me. And this is a big deal. I went so special. Now I put too much pressure on her. And she just cried and cried. And I didn't know what to say. I just said. And I'm thinking like, we got to get an answer because we got to shake the wings, you know. <laughs> and then Riggins, uh, the pilot says, well, so what is it, you know. And I said, is that a yes? And she says, yes. And it was, we shake the wings. And then, you know, all of a sudden, and she says, oh, my gosh, it's a stampede. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, you know. and uh, so this happens. And then I get uh, her down on the plane, and we get in. A, I have a, a limousine uh, waiting for us. And we get in the limousine, and we drive to the house. And, and I see my brother there, and I'm like, hey, man. I shake his hand, and he's like, oh. I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, man, the horse bucked me off right before I like broke my arm. And to this day, if you ask him to straighten his hands, he's like this. <laughs> I'm like, take one for the team, baby. Oh, uh, so it, it, we, we got there, all the family was there, and it was a beautiful thing. Uh, why did I go all out? Partially, that was my design, how I am. Um, I, I knew a pilot. I had a friend who was connected to the limousine company. And Leslie had gone through a past and a story um, where she had never felt love like I was to love her. And I told you, there was a dark night of the soul where we pulled the skeletons out of the closet before that day. And she was deeply ashamed of her past, and I was ashamed of my past. And I felt like this was that redemptive event to make it special. My encouragement to you is just make it special. Make marriage special. Hold it up. Celebrate it. Spare no expense. Make it sacred. In Jesus' name, amen? amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. We pray, God, that, Lord, we would let our marriages be a light to the community, to the world around us. As the band leads us in a closing song, God, we, we, we communicate with our mouths. 
God, we need your grace. God, we need your mercy. God, we believe in you, Jesus, Lord of all. We pray, God, take our lives and magnify them with everything we've got. Uh, We take this time in our closing time just to say thank you, God. Thank you for the mercy. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the people you placed in our lives. Um, Lord, and help us. Help us just to, to, to love well in life in this beautiful, this beautiful relationship we have in marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.